My name is Ntabi Sengmakham. Welcome to the Being Whole podcast. Join me as we take a journey to self and discover what it means to be whole. Along the way, we'll be talking to some incredible guests about love, life, food, travel, music, and all things that make life go round. Kinan, what's up, Ian? How are you? I'm good in you, darling. Oh, very good. Fabulous. Oh, very, very good. I'm so excited that we're doing this finally. Mm-hmm. Round two. Round two. And if we need a round three, I'm happy with that as well. You're always welcome. Yeah. Thank you for allowing me into your home. Thank you, Thank you for taking the time mm-hmm. to be here. I'm going to read out your bio, and then we can go straight into it. Johannesburg-based pianist, Kenan John Mayer holds a Bachelor of Music degree with majors in music psychology and piano methodology from the University of Pretoria. His research interests explore the National Archive through a phenomenological exploration of South African protest music and the psychosocial and psychophysiological and embodied effects thereof. He has received a host of accolades, which include numerous bursaries from the South African music rights organization, SAMRO, as well as the prestigious Mandela Rhodes Scholarship. Mayer has been described as a first-rate and gifted pianist with a very fine technical and expressive palette. His debut body of work, The Alchemy of Living, will be released in 2021. Thank you for joining us, Keenan. What does it feel like to be this to be you at this moment? <laughs> to be Keenan John Mayer and to know that I am a pianist and I'm epic. Mm. I'm absolutely phenomenal at what I do and I I am doing what I love. I think um the I think it's just really exciting that the work is finally paying off. Yeah. You know, like the really, really consistent effort of just trying to produce work that is of quality um, and that will resonate with people. Mm. And I think, I mean, from high school into varsity and now entering into the professional industry, um, I would say it's absolutely humbling. (laughs) It's absolutely humbling because it's like, ah, I have the opportunity now to show a new way. I have an opportunity to carry the baton further um, and also give a presentation of who and what came before we were all here. Yeah. You know, and so I think that in itself is just the hugest honor. And I think that calling on my life, mm, I now say calling, I mean, studying it, I didn't know why, why the hell I was doing it. I, I loved, yeah. I loved it. I loved it, but it was like, I'm just being <laughs> pushed in that direction. And now to like finally stand um, and operate from a place of knowing, create from a place of knowing. I think that that is what is humbling. And like, so that's how I feel. I think um, it's it's an unbelievable honor. Mm. <laughs> Walk me through your childhood and how you moved into knowing that you wanted to go into music full time mm-hmm. and that you wanted to study it. I mean, you went to the NSA. Mm-hmm. So obviously from a young age, you knew that the arts were your path, but mm-hmm. how did that come about? Um, what was five-year-old Keenan doing 
that led him to know that this is what he needed to be doing? So I wouldn't say it was five-year-old Keenan. I say I always had a an inclination to the arts. Like even if it was through drawing or like I always used to make everybody cards. <laughs> like okay. everybody in the family had cards. Like if you're in hospital, honey, you come get a card. <laughs> okay. And I think I just really, really enjoyed being creative in that space. Yeah. And then it was when I got a keyboard, like I don't know, I just asked the keyboard in Christmas 2006 and they bought it. And then in September um, of the following year, I then started piano tuition with Tani Margarit Snijman. Oh, darling. I mean, that very formative, formative years. But what was important in those lessons was I think there was a lack of technique, but what was so amazing was the development of my oral skills in that I then, I think at that age, and if we link that whole, I mean, music psychology looks into child development, you know, and like some of the first chapters that we speak on is about child development, early child development. And so they give us a certain milestones for the tuition of kids, you know, so children. So if you, for example, between, I think it's 11 and 13, in that space, if you're really teaching a child to, and I might be, I stand to be corrected about the age, but I think between those ages, there's, if you sort of teaching a child or honing a certain skill that is related to sight reading or, um, in my case, oral skills, that is 100% a very good foundation um, going forward. And I think now, um, even in the alchemy, I took it into studio, none of the music's written down. None of it is, wow. is written down. Everything is by memory and by by ear. And so that's why we did it in the studio as well. It was like I needed <laughs> that type of musicianship that would allow me to just be in the space and sort of harbor creative synergy, yeah. number one. Um, and with that synergy, you having such a virtuosic element to you and like, me then singing the music to you or playing the melody to you and then us putting that all together. Um, wow. I think that, so that long line, that one moment of, of, of like embracing a different type of teaching, which was heavily orderly based, mm. um, I think, yeah, has translated into the now where I can say, I mean, you know, doing such things in studio is super cool. Um, yeah, I think that that journey was that journey was interesting because in 2009 I I finished at my primary school. In 2010, started high school at um, the NSA. Okay, <laughs> the National School of the Arts, darling. And I actually failed music grade eight, guys. I want everyone to flip and know that story. Yeah, How did that not? crush you and change because you. I think I'm a very very stubborn person okay ask my family they'll tell you this that was good <laughs> clearly stubborn, stubborn. Good. Mm, it can have it's it's pros and cons uh-huh. okay so then NSA, NSA and then it doesn't work out the first year uh, yeah so great it was a bit of a um obviously going I didn't even know my teacher was Elise Van Yerten darling Elise <laughs> Um, while she was actually, she is actually, um, so very, she's scary, but I call her the blue-eyed monster. 
Let's, music. Yeah, it should have music. Okay. So, you know, I didn't understand why I was put with her, this woman. So I'm like, okay, auntie. Um, and so she's like, play a scale for me. That was my first lesson. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell that is. I don't know what a scale is, dude. So I'm playing here an arpeggio, which is um, also like a scale, but it's not the. It's not what she asked. Yeah, it's not what she asked. It's not the diatonic scale. Okay, so she laughs to me. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) how can you do that to a child? I just came to school and I'm just like, okay, clearly this is going to be a lot of work. And so one of my friends, Kaylin, was playing a piece. um, But it was obviously way he had training already with sheet music and everything. And he was, so I looked at this piece and I absolutely loved it. And I was like, Mm -hmm. why can't I play this? And my technique wouldn't allow that. So I played it to her and she's just like, no, 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 no. That's not going to work out. And then, okay, I accepted and we chose something a bit easier, but then I couldn't play really um, in the lesson. There was just something that, that wasn't connecting. Yeah. And she's like, you know, 35%. I could not. She gave you 35% of the spot. No, no, no. As in, that was my mark at the end of the term. But, but like, she. So we had like these practical guidebooks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where they sort of out of city, I think it was, that they mark you less and out of. So, like, that all sort of contributes to the mark at okay. the end. All of the other tasks as well. Um, and so there it was just like zero. <laughs> This is not who I am. I don't like this. I don't yeah. appreciate this. Um, to the point where she found my parents to be like, Nancy, he's not going to make it. <laughs> he must take this child out. And what did your parents say? And my dad, they both came to the school. Um, and it was like, a, okay, da, da, da. they spoke about it. But it wasn't even about my parents. It was then a conscious decision on my part to be like, okay, Mm, I know what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I know why I want to do it. Um, and at that point, it was like I was so nurtured in my in 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 the primary school setting, mm-hmm. even with piano. You know, like the only kid playing and accompanying the school choir, accompanying the congregation for mass. You know, that was all seminal experiences on mm-hmm. on my own. So coming out of that space and then going into the high school to be like, okay, I have this, and I really feel like. I want to pursue it and continue. And then to be met like that, <laughs> I was a bit that like, a, it was, it was just like, ah, okay, now we really have to up our game. And then grade nine happened. And then I think it was in grade 10 where I had the choice of choosing subjects. Okay. So I chose stuff I loved. Okay. So I, I dropped by because I was like, Nancy, what is this thing? Nancy, 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 hold on. Then I took history and business. Okay. And history for me was just amazing. Um, but over and above everything, it was just at that point where I think I had the liberty of choosing and with those choices, I knew why I had made those decisions. And so I really just applied myself and it, as if it was like something kicked in, (laughs) it was like something, something when something kicked in and it was like, I remember one assignment, it was given on I think it was a Wednesday and by the Friday it was done, like submitted. And like that's how I just and it was just like I loved, I absolutely loved being in school. 
Like you yeah, loved what you I were doing. I loved it. It was just amazing. And also to be around people who are like you finally, mm. you know, like coming out of number one, a colored primary school where, you know, you looked at the, oh, yeah, he's the article. Yeah. And then you, and then, this one? and now, exactly. And now yeah. you come and you're in, in the space where people are like you and you're like, I can breathe. There's yeah. this sort of slow, slow, slow inklings towards um, relinquishing that wall that I kept up for so high. Yeah. Um, so long, sorry. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I want to touch on um, the importance of being surrounded by like-minded people just now. Mm-hmm. But before mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you spoke about how you grew up in a colored community. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be a colored man in South Africa to you right now? And I think this is an important conversation because I, for one, have always had certain views of what colored people are and how they behave mm-hmm. because of what's fed to me in the media, right? Mm-hmm. But we don't really get to see the yeah. colored identity. Yes. Um, what does it mean to be a colored man to you? And how how do you trace yourself mm-hmm. as a person, your ancestry? Mm-hmm. Um, and then how do you show up mm-hmm. in the world where, you know, it's not always positive images of who mm-hmm. you're supposed to be? Um, it's such a conflicting question and such a heavy topic that is on my heart because Mm. it's something that I've engaged with so many people, um, in the industry, in my own family. (laughs) I remember having that type of conversation at the dinner table, but like, I think being a cut, I don't accept the term colored number one. Okay. I don't accept the term colored. I do think that it sort of perpetuates a racial hierarchy that was instituted by the powers that be in 19, you know, our apartheid government, um, not our part, their apartheid (laughs) government. And I don't accept it. Um, I also think it buys into that stigma that you're talking Mm. about. And it happened last night, actually. I was literally talking to someone and they picked up that I was colored and it was like, your accent changed immediately and how you approached me was different. And I was like, I don't appreciate that. You don't know me on that level. Let's Mm -hmm. not do that. So I think when I take away the term, and I'm not saying I'm taking away my traditions or the culture, I'm taking away a term that is extremely limiting and reductive, essentially, because a Cape colored... Um, is not the same as Johannesburg. I'm not the same. Our food is this, is different. Dialect yeah. is different, you know. And I think if you put us all under one <laughs> one umbrella term that is deeply steeped in gangsterism, yeah. synonymous with gangsterism, synonymous with not having teeth, small things like that, you know. Yeah. It's no, it's, it's just like, I don't, I don't accept it. And so I went further and I, I, I sort of push or would like to open up the discussion and push the type of discourse that holds colored people then as Creoles, because if I'm saying I'm Creole, I think it allows for representation of a multiplicity of my, my, my lineage, you know? Yeah. And if I open it up, like if I say South African Creole, I mean, we have, Creoles in Mauritius, you know, all yeah. of those. Um, if I say Charles, if I say I'm a South African Creole, oh, what are you then made up of? You're not going to say away Mexican, which is not, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's okay to say it. I say away all the time. Yeah. But in your initial approach to me, don't make it seem as if 
you are again perpetuating a certain stigma or a certain image of a colored person. If I say I'm a South African Creole, what are you made up of, sir? Mm -hmm. And then we have the discussion about my lineage or my ancestry. Yeah. So I think number one, it, it, it is as an artist, I think I have then now have the platform to sort of drive that type of discussion and ask my people to come and, and be accountable for also what we perpetuate in our culture, mm-hmm. which is that anti-intellectual stance, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we, we view that is, there's always this, <laughs> I need to be, in the, I'm not black enough, I'm not white enough. Why okay, do you also, you? What, exactly, where, where, where do we, I mean, one of those triggering days was here to teach day. <laughs> I can imagine. You know, I'm like, what do I wear? What do I wear? Cabela's. And attractive pants. <laughs> what's my culture? Exactly. What's my culture? What do I then wear? Like that is so interesting. Exactly. And so, how do you identify exactly. on that day? And that's an identity crisis. How do you then approach and how do you show up in society if you mm. don't know who the hell you are? I mean, you can't do that. So the whole and I, we go back to the music again. I think the, the music and writing the alchemy. I was forced to to confront that that type of the discomfort of not knowing. Yeah. And then what are you going to do that you don't know? Are you okay in that uncomfortable feeling or are you going to take the active steps to find out, do more? And so I think I was led and I'm very, very grateful for the people who my guides have sent on my path because I've been shown new ways about who I am. I keep saying new ways, but it is, it was just like a complete unlearning and relearning. Not that the unlearning was um, negative. It was it was part of an old self. Yeah. That, it led yeah. you to where you are yes. now. Yeah. Yeah. And now you're transitioning yeah, or transforming totally. into something mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. so new teachings must come in. <laughs> totally. So that type of, I think through the music, it, it just opened up that and writing the alchemy, constantly playing the alchemy. Um and what has been said to me now, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just grateful for the for the guides my people have sent that have shown, that have asked questions that have led me to knowing mm. where Keenan is. I can my my clan names. I mean, from my maternal side, and that's why I said there's a certain imbalance almost between my paternal and maternal ancestors but we're going to remedy that um my clan names from my maternal side Redcliffe, Janssen, Ardens, Christoffels, you know P.O.S. that's you once you sort of try and go deeper into who you are you just see all of this magic coming out you realize just <laughs> what a force you are yeah. it's like you knew it before mm-hmm. but then you realize mm-hmm. the why yeah the why is very important yeah <laughs> the why is also it comes out in unexpected ways mm. um and for me it came out in in a spiritual awakening of sorts that, mm. uh, that, you know, as a young kid, I was terrified to ask my family, I was so scared of the dark guys. You yeah. About. <laughs> scared of the dark. I was so scared of the dark. It was always like, it was just, and now it's just like, okay, I think in, in consulting and being spiritually inclined and, and, 
and really channeling and speaking to my ancestors through the help of of my healer um that that knowing comes with something else let's chat about that let's chat about spirituality mm. um how you link that to your identity and how you link mm. that to your music mm. you were talking about how um in the creation of the alchemy of mm. living you really had to tap into yourself and mm. your spirituality and the recreation of self mm. um how has taking the path to understand your ancestry um challenged you and how have you channeled that into your music because mm. i mean let's let's think about it like this mm. right i don't know much yet about um spiritual callings mm. so to speak neither do i i don't i don't <laughs> i'm not the voice of <laughs> all knowing darling not at all i'm also just being introduced to this um but i mean the choice to to discover mm, that's a big one mm. um how did you why how did you decide to do that and how are you using that Mm -hmm. now um why i decided to do it was because i told you that question about so i I met um a, a very good friend now um a man from Botswana, and <laughs> we were sitting on my balcony once, and he's like, "So, where, who are you, and where do you come from?" To me, I couldn't understand. I couldn't answer that. I'm mm. like, ah, again, that conflicting question about my identity came because I couldn't say, "This is my lineage," you know. And that's the sad part about also because our history as colored people is often there's an element of slavery in it, you know. Yeah. And so now you have to come and understand that that's part of who you are and how do you make sense of that? Cause some of it might be forgotten, yeah. you know, and like retracing that. Um, and so he asked this question and I was just, you know, it was, I, I, f- I felt warmth. It was just like, I feel so embarrassed. <laughs> I can't answer this question. And I think through, um, him also being a spiritual mentor and like, being someone who meditates and and who who intercedes or divines in that manner. Mm -hmm. Um, And then being introduced. I was introduced to meditation, I would say, in 2018 when I was in Brazil, in Rio. Definitely. It is the most amazing experience. Um, And I'll talk about it. But but now it's someone who's sort of in my immediate environment, you know, who's Mm. now very actively engaging topics of spirituality and self and like centering and grounding and what does this all mean? Because you've been introduced to it. I mean, I was introduced to meditation under the guise of mindfulness um, in music psychology. So there was an understanding of sorts, but never like, like, now I'm going to do it. And so I took that very seriously. I took that really seriously. Um, And slowly there was the signs that came and synchronicities that yeah. kept running since that moment where I'm like, okay. And I think that's what I meant by having to completely clearing your head mm. um, to receive messages or spiritual downloads. Um, and I was attuned to all of that, mm. literally being guided. <laughs> it's like the more yeah, yeah. you choose to mm. follow it, the mm. more in tune you yeah. become. Yes, totally. And so... Yeah, being in that space, um, 
and then starting to meditate and then and then really having a complete shift of mind you know yeah. like operating from from a completely different space which is so peaceful mm. oh my god <laughs> it was so super it's still so super peaceful mm. um and then with the meditation i think going deeper um into my own spirituality in terms of now okay you grew up christian mm. your father is talking cosmic law my dad talks about cosmic law and then you have this person asking you that question mm. you know all of those questions combined led me then to um, consult mm. where i had to go through the bones it was as if it was on my shoulders yeah i could not i had to surrender to that it was literally a physical feeling of like i can't hold it in anymore mm. like i can't and then i did that um <laughs> i can't i can't explain that that type of confidence that comes with knowing and being claimed like that by yeah ooh mm. and i think that's good yeah i think with the music now i'm able to commune <laughs> and be in that space and like um completely relinquish control to what's happening in the moment mm. Mm. walk me through your music mm. if you were to explain to somebody who'd never heard about Kenan John Mayer the pianist how would you describe yourself and the music that you make i think it would be a sound bath <laughs> mm. i love that mm. i think um i for one am someone who <laughs> i have so much love to give shame <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel, feel that. that. I feel that. Yeah. Um, and I, I never ever want someone to feel excluded or. And so, in in my in my meeting of people who hasn't heard of me, I would hope that my spirit would speak for itself. Um, but I think the music is an amalgamation of. the warmth of the south african sound you mm. know someone like play- mune he's actually an unbelievable vocalist oh mm-hmm. he came over i played him one of the tracks um majora's meditation <laughs> and it's like it's like an it's so patriotic it is like a, it's like an ode to the south african sound yeah and that for me was just so beautiful um and and hearing other people talk i mean i posted ikigai on like that the video on on instagram, on instagram and beautiful like, thank you beautiful piece <laughs> thank you <laughs> and the ikigai um a lot of people send me videos of them choreographing to it doing yoga to it like mm-hmm. someone shared um that like ikigai was the only thing calming them down before a test because like there was just hella hella like mental health um you know mm-hmm. problems and so for me to hear people's reactions to that and I'm completely going off the topic but I think it adds to how um the the 
the key elements or the themes that are highlighted and what people are saying about the music. Mm. Um, I think it, it really does speak to the soul. I think it's, it's so honest. Mm. It's honest music. Like mm. I was very intentional in creating it in life. Yeah. It comes from a place of, of purity. Mm. Mm. When you decided that, okay, no, what happened when you were like, okay, no, actually I'm going to create an album and I'm going to release it. <sighs> I'd imagine you'd been playing before, right? Yeah, I did not anticipate okay. to be a recording artist. No? No. 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 That's what not. was the intention? When I left Farsi, and I think that was also because of... There were also bullies in that fucking department. Mm. The bullies. But we take it with a pinch of salt because it was an excellent tuition. Mm. Because look at what it's created. <laughs> I, I can't deny it. But um, what was your question? I was asking you um, how you decided that, okay, no, now I'm going to record an album. Oh. So I'm saying to you that I didn't think that I would be a recording artist because, I mean, I didn't feel that way in varsity that I was worthy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I think there were a lot of elements, even in the tuition, that like really broke down my spirit. Mm-hmm. Like, to a point where... 2017, I didn't want to do anything related to piano. I couldn't. I didn't want it. Like, get that shit away. I was just getting the marks and get out. Um, uh, hence, I titled the piece in 2018 at the Young Gallery. Your gallery. <laughs> um, reawakening, you know. The reawakening. Yeah, it was reawakening because it was like, okay, I went through all of this and, like, now I feel okay to sort of engage the topic in, but oh, I, in 2019, um, I wanted to record just some solo piano works. That's all I wanted. Mm. And then in 2020, um, the 21st of January, actually, I, I met with Banda <laughs> and I played him um, some solo piano works that I recorded. And I was like, I'd like to turn this into an album. I would like my own project. I think they are works, they're substantial works. Mm. And I think they, they should be part of the archive. Um, and then it was obviously 2020. God. <laughs> COVID happened. And um, yeah, so I was like, you, okay. But what I was very happy about was... I sent him that, and you know when you plant seeds of thought, mm. and when you send out a vibration, already the universe starts responding. You yeah. Know? When we understand that everything is vibration, it really is. And if you tune in, and like, um, I think that intention to meet and like share the music and be like, this is what I want to do, um, was very important because yeah. I also then met with the bassist and the saxophonist who's on the alchemy. Tsetsi and Vera Nkuzwana. And I played them in my apartment as well. I was like, listen to the music, play it. And so they had the music. And it was sort of, um, yeah, towards April, May, um, June, where I was like, okay, but now we have lockdown. So how do you record yeah. an album? Um, and yeah it was just it just happened <laughs> and then, it just happened we i, chiki, chiki, I, I said crazy. to him yeah i said i said to him 
like this is what I would like to do. Um, these are the music. This is the music, obviously. And I think there was a as someone, and I think I'm thankful for high school for that as mm-hmm. well. Is like you know always being at the top of my game in everything and like yeah. having to be consistent and and very disciplined in how you structure things and like plan things i think that's also one of an amazing amazing skill is is the ability to plan and like excellently execute it mm. um and so i just took everything that i've learned and i applied it in the space and that's how it happened and it was a it is it was a long process i can finally say we had done yeah. <laughs> it was so much work it was so much work not only um like at the piano but mentally and emotionally mm-hmm. you know i think you have to be so so in tune with yourself to say that you're an artist because you're communicating something that is from you and mm-hmm. if it's not truthful to you it's not going to be truthful to your audience and i think people then pick up on that yeah um and so yeah it was a year long process um where now i can say already the, the the alchemy is the caliber of musicians and artists who have been involved on the project mm. is something out of a fate <laughs> it's so magical i'm just like wow yeah. this is so amazing like this is so it's literally like a manifestation like the hard work was not all in vain like those years because when i went to this into the studio it, and these are the cats hey they've recorded music mm. <laughs> and just to go into the studio and just be comfortable and like and not take, even like having imposter syndrome just walk in and you like, know who you yeah, are exactly hi guys we're here and let's create music and this is my music mm. um and we leave the ego at the door and so yeah it was just a, a beautiful process an interesting process cuz there were so many times that i died or versions of me that had to die that i had to spill like an app that's not going to stand here if you want this this has to go you know mm-hmm. um and walking and like asking and praying about that discernment um yeah i think that's <laughs> what the alchemy taught me <laughs> wow mm. i love to hear that um so I want to speak about influences, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a little birdie on Instagram told me that you once met um, one of South Africa's most prolific and influential musicians, Abdullah Ibrahim. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the most prolific pianists and apartheid activists um, that we have. Tell me more about that experience and how musicians like him have shaped your musical vision and mm-hmm. identity. Mm-hmm. Thank you for the question. Um and thank you for being so <laughs> accurate. They see me, I love it. So <laughs> that we talk about synchronicities. Mm. This is a synchronicity, my yeah. baby. So what happened was I flew to Cape Town in the morning, right? Yeah. Because my interview for Mandela Roads. Mm-mm. So we flew down lovely 
um, did the interview. It was super scary, but also humbling. To, I mean, you're in the former statesman's home, babes. Do you not, child? I was like, this Dude, is yeah. my grandfather is so happy with her, whoever he is. Like, he's just looking like, at you like, my child, look at where you are. I was like, yes, my baby. I love it. It was amazing. Um, and then, yeah, I did the interview, and then I flew back the same day. Okay. Which is very dying, I must just say. Mm. I would not suggest or oh, <laughs> a fly. I, I don't do that thing to your body. No ways. <laughs> um, no, <it's> <laughs> please. And um, so he, we were now um, back at the airport with people who were flying back to Johannesburg with us. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm in the queue um, the board, at the boarding gate. And I'm standing and I see this old man coming. But, like, it was, I was like, no ways. <laughs> no ways. Like, not, not Dollar Brand, honey. What, what? do you, what do you no. mean? Like, and this man is coming to the same flight. Um, and so I'm like, I just went up. I'm like, thank you for the music. That's all I had yeah. to say. I couldn't say anything else. It was just such an amazing, yo, just to, like, he has such an um, energy about him. Yeah. You know, that's, it's just a bit overwhelming. <laughs> Personally, it was overwhelming. And even out in the um, airport was very oblivious to who the hell that was. And I was like, guys, <laughs> oh, wow. are you not seeing this? Um, and so, yeah, th- that's all I said. And I asked for a picture. Um, but Abdullah Graham's music was very important, even in my sort of engagement with Abdullah's music mm. and the heavy sp- I mean I also I give an ode to him uh, um, wow. in the album wow. I, I plays I play the mountain oh, wow. um, in the album okay and that song oh that piece there's something that forces me to start humming but like a very meditative, calming, humming that mm. just happens when I play that piece. And I was very taken aback. By, and I needed to include it, not only to give sonic representation of my musical lineage, but also to encourage again that return to self. Mm. Um, and I tied back even into my own research with intergenerational trauma. So with humming, what we can do through humming is strengthen um, what's the nerve yo it escapes me now let me get it the vagus nerve there we go that's the longest nerve in the human body and any trauma negatively impacts that and so we can counter that um, negative impact by humming I didn't know that yes so the vagus nerve and and that was my intention of including it on there because I knew what it done for me. Yeah. And so I would love, love, love to have that um, <laughs> done for anyone else who's listening. So Abdullah's music. So you're going to heal us in this album. I am definitely, that is the main intention is to, I want people to experience what I've experienced yeah. in the creation. It's so... There are quiet moments. There's moments of intensity, mm. um, but then release. 
um, and I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> Very cathartic. It was a, a cathartic experience. He once played me this beautiful piece. I think it's called Sao Paulo. Oh, and it's Santa Teresa. Santa Teresa. <laughs> Fabulous. Brazil. Yes, Rio. Um, Rio. Yes. And you spoke about um, Brazil just now, and you yeah. wanted to touch on that. Mm. How has travel mm. influenced you? I mean, outside of you know, naming a song after one of the, the cities. Mm. Um, what influence does travel have on you, on what you create? Mm. And what's your next travel destination? Ooh. BTW, your Maldives shots. They have changed my life. If you've never seen his Maldives shots, please go on to Kino.com's Instagram and go see those shots. They are epic. But um traveling your i think the first moment where it changed everything for me was um in singapore Mm. so i went to singapore in 2016 first i went to singapore in 2016 um and it was in the National Gallery of Singapore. <laughs> so I went there and like, as I descended on that elevator down in front of me, I was not ready for that. It was the most beautiful thing, a red, blood red Steinway and Sun's Grand Piano mm-hmm. in the atrium. And it was just, you know, all the columns in Singapore has beautiful, Yo, it's it's a tall building with high ceilings, darling. It's so spacious. It's because I can fly in there. It's so beautiful. Wow. Um, and so that's where I got the idea already uh-huh. for gallery concerts, you okay. know, and operating in that niche. Because I was like, I'm gonna come back, and if not here, I'm doing it in my own country. Yeah. And so when I saw two years later, um, a Mandela Road scholar as well post a picture in Young but It was a hard picture. Okay. Mm-hmm. Our hand was serving. And I was mm-hmm. like, yo, this is liquor. I want to be here. I want to be yeah." And so I looked at this place. Um, it's Young Blood Gallery. And I looked at it and it had a piano and it's beautiful three-story. Um, wow. And it has this wooden sculpture of a man who's like almost flying. Literally. Um in the, and so the piano is sort of placed and the acoustic is so beautiful. And so I saw this and I'm like, yo, this is, it's giving me Singapore 2016. I would yeah. love to do something here. And so I, in good faith, I'm, I emailed um, Ina from Youngblood, who sort of, she runs the place. Um, your auntie Ina, I'm so indebted to that woman actually. Mm-hmm. Love her. <laughs> um, so I contacted her and I'm like, mm, this is who I am, this is what I'm about. Um, and then she's like, okay, we can do like a door split thing. And then I was like, okay, cool. And at the time, it was like a very, sa- it was a salon type concert, so like small amount of tickets like very, yeah. I, I love the intimacy of that type of setting mm-hmm. and so we started small with 50 people um and that was reawakening mm-hmm. and then after 2019 i did cape town um alchemy of living and then and 20 yes and then 2019 august um uh alchemy of living in the melrose gallery so i think that for me that one example of traveling um and I can name so many, but 
the water <laughs> is also, I mean, you've seen my Instagram. Yeah. And I didn't know why until I threw the bones and, like, understood, okay, um, and, like, to to understand why I might have been so attracted to being near those waters so much and, like, the sanctity of it all. Mm. Um, and now I know, obviously, with my own spirituality, the how incredibly blessed I am to have experienced so many different oceans. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Andaman Sea, darling, and then, you know, Lakadive Sea, which is in, in, in Maldives, mm-hmm. and then experiencing the oceans in Buzios, you know, six hours from Rio. And, like, when you connect all of those dots and, like, and try and capture that freedom yeah. through your music. I think that's also something, especially in Santa Teresa. I think it's the, it's so much fun to play, guys. Mm-hmm. Yo, it's, 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 an it's so it's much fun. Experience. It's so much fun to play, and it's a celebration song. And with Santa Teresa, it was an ode to, to a former self and mm-hmm. like closing of a chapter. And I say that in in the in the notes that you'll read on Apple Music when it's out. Yeah, that's <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was just uh, Santa Teresa was deeply moving, and it wasn't even this. It was just the type of freedom and and liberation that I felt in that space. Mm-hmm. And also the people I met, oh my gosh, like yeah. it was so, 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 so beautiful. Um, so traveling, oh man, I think the next destination, yo, where's the next destination? I want to go to Africa, man. You know, like really I don't, I, exactly. Africa. I'm like, I'm not going to come back. I want y'all to know it's over. I'm not going to come back the same. I know if I see or connect on that level. To, to people specifically up there by East Africa vibes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's something else there. And, I, and I'm so ready for that vibe. Yeah. You are ready for that. Also, I can imagine what it would do on my own artistry to yeah. experience that type of vibrancy. You know, our, our continent is so vibrant. That's what those colonials did. They came here and they labeled us savages because you're damn boring, honey. Because they like, didn't understand. What the hell? Like, also, I think the power really scared them. <laughs> the what? Oh, power. it is. Mm. Imagine you're so spiritually inclined. Of course you're going to call it. You know, and I found research on that. It actually shook me. 1891 was the Natal Code, and that was the first sort of steps towards suppressing African spirituality in that they then labeled it witchcraft. In 1976, so I think it was 1976, I would say stand to be corrected, the suppression of witchcraft act which then forced traditional healers to go underground and that's where that whole stigma of it becoming evil came from wow. you know because now it's being given to us by a colonial government who's saying da 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 this is bad, this is bad yeah. because you don't actually understand it's what evil. this is mm. yeah <laughs> you okay um my last question. Yes. I think it's a, it's a really big question. Um, firstly, I appreciate you taking your time for this. I've had yeah. the most amazing time. <laughs> um, to me, you come across as somebody that is very centered. That is very whole. Um, what makes you present? What makes you whole? Um, and what helps you show up every day? 
as this amazing person who's then able to create everything that you do? Um, um what makes me what makes you whole? Makes me whole. Just the affirmations to self. Oh. The prayers mm. um, to the God I serve. Mm. I'm merging those two with being, you know, doing affirmations for every chakra. I am safe. Mm. I am loved. I am secure. I am safe. That's mm. such a beautiful mm. one. Mm. And like constantly reaffirming yourself like that. I think shift something again. I say that. I think it's a a mind shift, a mind completely new paradigm that you operate in because it's it's a place where again I say you you're so attuned to every single thing that's happening around you that you then decide how you react to it mm-hmm. and understand that your reactions have implications in the long run. And I think when we when we understand that, we can really master <laughs> our own destiny. Mm. So I think that's that's what keeps me grounded is is those affirmations, and then showing up is a result of all of that, of deep deep prayer, deep deep meditation, and submission. I love that. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'd love to hear your thoughts on today's conversation. If you're using the Anchor app, drop me a voice note. Otherwise, follow me on Instagram and send me a DM. My Instagram handle is at Miss Makhabo. That's M-I-S-S-M-A-K-G-A-B-O. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with all your friends and all your family. Until we meet again, bye for now.